Welcome, everyone, to episode 13 of the Speak Up by Avalon Bay podcast. We are continuing our summer series, Lessons in Leadership. We have three very special women leaders, Debbie Coombs, Karen Hollinger, and Kathy White, who are retiring from Avalon Bay in 2022. This series is our opportunity to showcase their unique transformational leadership styles and their invaluable wisdom. In part two of our series, we are joining Karen Hollinger, our Senior Vice President of Strategic Initiatives, and Jennifer Coogan, our Senior Director of Strategic Initiatives, as Karen shares her lessons in leadership. Thank you. I am Jennifer Coogan, the Senior Director of Strategic Initiatives. Today, I have the honor to interview my manager, my mentor, and my friend, Karen Hollinger. Karen is a Senior Vice President, Strategic Initiatives, and today she'll share her lessons in leadership. Karen, you won't believe it, but I was I was preparing for this. I realized I've worked with you longer than any other AVB leader. Can you believe it's been 10 years? I am so excited to dig into this topic further with you. So as we get started, I wanted to ask you a little about your background. Here at Avalon Bay, you seem to know everyone, everything. Your projects have had so much depth and breadth from technology, accounting, gosh, I could go on, HR, asset management, operations, strategy, venture investing, construction and development, what am I missing? Do you want to recap a little bit about how you got here and how you've learned so much about so many things? Sure. And, and thank you for the opportunity to work with you for the last 10 years. It's, um, it's been my honor. So I've been at Avalon Bay 21 years, but I actually had a previous career. So Avalon Bay, I, uh, much to the surprise of everyone, I didn't, uh, I didn't join Avalon Bay right out of college. Um, after I graduated with a finance degree from William & Mary, I joined a consulting practice. I joined KPMG. And for many years, I traveled the world, uh, mostly developing countries. And I did technology and accounting and various strategy projects, including two years in Beijing. And, and my husband, who is still my husband, thankfully, was maybe interested in, in seeing me a little bit more because I was, I was traveling um, so, so much. So he asked that I consider a domestic practice. And I, I joined um, a, uh, a Washington, D.C.-based consulting practice. And Avalon Bay was one of my first clients in the U.S. And I didn't stay with, with Avalon Bay at that time. I, uh, I, I worked for them for about six months moved on to some other engagements. But I remember telling my husband at the time that of all the clients that I'd had, that Avalon Bay was was really the best, uh, the most common sense, the, the greatest um, potential for growth, strong leadership, ethical. And, you know, if they ever offered me a position that I would take it in a heartbeat. So I stayed as a consultant for about a year, year and a half before I got the job offer to be uh, a director in the HR group. So surprisingly, my my entry into Avalon Bay w- was quite a niche function. They Avalon Bay needed someone to be not only over the HR systems, 
but over uh, payroll benefits and compensation, which were which were not topics. They were topics I, I certainly understood, but they were not topics that I ever saw myself as a leader um, over those functions. And so I did a, just a slew of function in HR and actually stayed in HR for five years, uh, got my certification as a um, senior professional in HR. You know, I was making a career in HR, even though my my heart and my my background was in technology. And at that point, Avalon Bay had an interest in starting a shared service center. So I transitioned out of HR and I spent a year, year and a half planning what is now the customer care center in Virginia Beach, finding the location, picking the technology, picking the leadership, and then spent three years in in building out that center. The projects began, let's say it that way. <laughs> I think my entire career has been um, working myself out of a job. And um, from that point, the company needed a head of technology. So I transferred from Virginia Beach back to headquarters in the DC region. And I uh, oversaw the technology, the cyber, cybersecurity, and really all the applications, networking, et cetera, until uh, we decided to grow a little faster. And we decided to do the Archstone acquisition. So I found myself out in Denver uh, for about six months. And from there, the um, the organization was 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 kind enough to create a position for me um, to basically uh, gold plate the concept that uh, that that maybe large hairy initiatives were my thing. So in 2013, we created the uh, the executive over um, corporate initiatives, which has since become strategic initiatives. And um, in that role, I've had just a just a great run. Lots and lots of fun projects, and and so now in 2022, I, I I think I think I think it's time to maybe try something new. So I'm going to take this opportunity to depart from Avalon Bay. Yeah, I don't think in my career I've ever met anyone at Avalon Bay or anywhere else who has had such um, a journey across across so many different departments. What do you think the common thread is? between those departments or subjects that makes you so effective? I think one thing that I do better now that I uh, had to learn over the time was caring more about the ecosystem, not just the project, not just the department or the function or the revenue line, but the ecosystem. And and some people would say, well, that sounds like... uh, like maybe you're losing sight of the 50,000 foot. Um, but there's too many really good ideas that fail because they don't have ongoing support or they fail because they require people to be trained. And as we all know these days, that's a, a requirement that is, is, is largely not sustainable. Being cognizant of the big picture, right? It has to fit the trend. It has to produce revenue or, or cut expense. You know, it has to be more efficient. Those are the those are the the givens um, for a successful project. You know, those are the guiding principles that you start out with, and the team agrees that that you won't shy away from. But you can meet all of those 
big ideas and still not win the war because a year or two later, um, things fall apart. I, I, I think that would be one of the things I've learned, learned and one of the things that draws me into this role. You know, having worked with you for so long, I also think there's relationships. So you, oh, you've yeah. built them across all the departments. You know, clearly you've also gotten where you are because of your leadership. And to dig in a little d- deeper, how would you describe your leadership style? My leadership style has actually evolved. You know, I, I think my leadership style is collaborative. It's open-minded. It's creative. I, I, I think the greatest thing you can do as a leader is give the people who are doing the job the runway to be successful without you. And if that runway, each person's different, right? So I think one one thing that's evolved is, you know, I, I used to think, well, this is how a leader does things, but that's not the case. A, a good leader needs to work with each person that either works for them or, or is part of the major project individually. What do they need to be successful? And some people really want, they they want more direction, but a good leader is communicative enough to say, what can I help you do? Because one person might really appreciate a weekly check-in and direction and the other person feels micromanaged. And so if you don't have that open dialogue with staff, to ask how they can be supported, then you're going to make a mistake 50% of the time, right? 50% of the time, you are not a good leader because you didn't do what that person needed assistance with. I think the other thing that I do more of now is not sweat the small stuff. I mean, there's all sorts of books on that. But I remember as a, as a young leader, everything had to be perfect. Here's the hundred milestones in this plan. And we better hit 99 out of 100 or somehow or another we failed on timing. Or I, I think over time, I realized that you should never have, first off, 100 milestones. So let's start there. Never use a date. That, that would be one, one, one lesson for those that are out there. Unless, unless the date has 100 different departments, you know, marketing and tech, and everyone needs to be aligned, they really need to know that it's Tuesday that we're going live if if unless it's a major milestone like that it's a, it's a minor milestone like we're going to move to pilot uh for 5% of the portfolio we're going to move to pilot in march and in february i can tell you which week and by march 1st i can tell you the date right you start to narrow into your dates you can't fail if you never said march 15th a year ago right i've always been a happy person but when you don't sweat the small stuff you can wake up each day as a happier person. Were there any events or projects that may have helped you evolve to see that big picture, have more confidence and, and not sweat the small stuff? I think they they all help. I think multiple layers of experiences all help you be a better person, a better employee, a better leader. So I can't really think about one project or one experience. Um, I failed. I, I certainly remember those. So let's just start with that. <laughs> you know, you don't remember the successes, you remember the failures. If you haven't failed, you haven't tried. I failed. I have had failures. <laughs> but course correct, be transparent about the failures. Don't hide them. Use that knowledge. 
for the next project. Yeah, no project is the same. And that obviously is true with the multiple projects and initiatives you've led. What about what leadership you've observed, received, guidance? Is there anything about, you know, your time prior to or here at Avalon Bay where you think your leadership style was was shaped by other leaders? I do. I, I, I've worked with really, I would say, 10 different executives at Avalon Bay, three different CEOs now. There's, there's, there's a great amount of advice. And first off, I would say, if you're not giving advice, if you're a leader and you're not giving advice freely, openly, um, without a, an ulterior motive, then you're not a good leader. Doesn't mean that you have to give a performance evaluation. It means that in the hallway or on Zoom that you can be nice. You can say, Hey, you know, I just want you to know that either, you know, I think you're great, but you could be even better if, right. You know, that, that's, that's not a, that's not a ding. That's a, that's a help. Feedback but, and having it from those higher level yeah, perspectives is valuable. You're right. It, it is. They, you know, when, when, when someone you work for or with has 30 or 40 years of experience, um, they do know more. They might not understand the same, uh, you know, the newest technology, or maybe things really have changed, right? Sharing economy wasn't around 30 years ago. And so things, trends have changed, but, but the fundamentals of whatever that industry is, right? The fundamentals of real estate have not changed. The fundamentals of how to work with cross matrix, uh, teams and, and have them happy to come to work every day really haven't changed between in the office and in Zoom. You have to put a little bit more focus and, and effort in Zoom rather than the, than the you know, bumping into people. Um, but the fundamentals of sharing and helping others are the same. And, and so I do actually have some advice that, that various executives have given me. And um, I still keep in touch with those executives even after they've retired. And I still thank them. I still thank them for their mentorship. You know, so one executive used to always say, look at the long game. And that sort of gets back to don't sweat the small stuff. If, if you're working with someone in another department and maybe you really needed something from them on a Thursday and they missed the deadline, getting vocal about it is almost never the right thing to do because you don't know what's going on in their life. You don't know that whether personally they have something that is keeping them from their deadline or that their boss just dumped 10 priority one projects on them. You don't know that the best you should do is to have an honest and open conversation with them about, listen, I understand, or, you know, maybe I don't, but I do need X in order for me to meet Y. Just tell me honestly, when you think you're going to get it to me and tell me if there's anything I can do to help you in that. There are so many times that it's it's not just moving a deadline out by three days or a week that gives someone the opportunity to do a good job. But sometimes what they're not telling you up front is that I don't have good data. And so I'm having to crunch this data because I don't have those numbers for you. Well, wait a second. That's a different, that's a different next step. If the question is that it's going to take you eight hours to get this data. Could I offer you someone on my team? Could I offer you a contractor to help so that it's not eight hours? You're managing the contractor 
and it's 20 minutes of your management time. Well, now all of a sudden you're together, you're aligned in meeting that objective. It's not just throw it over the fence and, and, you know, I don't know how you're going to do it, but make sure you get it to me by Thursday, right? If you don't understand what you're throwing, you might never deliver, you know, you might never catch it, <laughs> right? So look at the long game and, um, and that also impacts your reputation. And the long game is not just at your own employer. The long game is your reputation as someone in the industry or as someone who's trustworthy. Well, and it's interesting you talked about your your reputation because um, you know becoming a subject matter expert in the industry can't necessarily be done inside the walls of the corporate office. Absolutely um, not. Do you have any external influencers or mentors? I do. So I've I've been lucky enough in the position that I'm in that in order to be successful. I need to be outside of the organization. If you're only inside the organization, it becomes an echo chamber. And next thing you know, if the CEO or the, 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 the head of asset management says, no, 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 we're going we're gonna to go this way. Everyone says, well, I don't agree with it, but that's what we're going to do, right? There's no, there's no external opinions. There's no visioning of what could be because another industry has already done it. And so... You know, let's be honest, real estate is not a fast changing, bleeding edge organization as an industry. It just isn't. There are other industries to follow. I've had the opportunity to work with, in a sense, peers in other industries, in associations, to go to conferences, to go to training, to to go to universities, right? Some of the, the best knowledge that I've been able to bring back to Avalon Bay has been from universities such as MIT or Harvard. But, you know, they're doing research. They have 50 PhD level, um, uh, you know, candidates who are doing research on how to use technology or other, you know, trends such as like modular building and censoring and things like that in real estate. And so when you, when you open yourself up to different sources of information, you, you end up growing your networking base. So you have an opportunity um, through this episode to mentor our listeners. Can you think of two pieces of advice that you'd like to share with future women leaders here in Avalon Bay and in general in real estate? I can. And it really has less to do with real estate less to do with women leaders, more to do with taking ownership of your career. And, and that is not an age or gender or industry-based concept. You control your career and you control opportunity. If you think to yourself, um, well, I'm doing X, whatever X is, and I'm stuck at this position or I'm stuck in this transaction that I I keep having to do over and over and I really don't want to do it. You decide whether you're going to do it. If you work at Avalon Bay, I'm not telling you you should go ahead and quit, right? So let's just get that off the table. I'm not saying, you know, you should just stop, you know, closing uh, the accounting uh, periods each month and, uh, you know, go become a, a, a bartender, right? I'm saying that if if you think to yourself, that I really want to bartend. If you think to yourself that, that the, the traits of the job 
the hours of the job, the location of the job don't fit what you're looking for. You decide that. Now, you hopefully can work within your organization to get to that change. And I'm not saying tomorrow, right? So if you say, you know what, I really, I can't work 40 hours. I I really want to work 30. It's often the case that that can't be done within a day because who's going to pick up the other 10 hours, but you decide that you work with your manager and your organization. And if it's something that is the, the job itself doesn't fit your goals, then, then look to transfer and be open for opportunities. And so raise your hand. If there's something that you're like, you know, I've always cared or wanted to learn this, raise your hand. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? Someone's going to say, well, you're in finance, you're not in technology, so I don't need your help. Okay. But could I sit in some meetings so I could learn the topic? Well, most people are going to say, yes, you can sit in some meetings. If you have the time every Tuesday, you know, to sit in the 10 a.m. meeting in the listen only mode, most people are going to say, yes, you have an interest, you, you know, you're not, you're not derailing the process. I just want to learn. That's um, actually how I started working for you. I that's voluntarily right. asked to help with some of your pilots. And then I would also, the, the, the other side of the coin on that one is don't let lack of knowledge be an impediment to whatever it is you want to do. Easiest one everyone will understand is uh, moving from consulting into you know, running payroll and benefits. I understood the topics. I understood the terms. I did not understand how to run payroll and benefits, right? Those were not um, skills that I came into the organization knowing on day one, but there are books, there are newsletters, there are websites. And so if, if you find yourself raising your hand for an opportunity and the job requires a skill, an actual learned skill or terminology that you do not have, it is on you to learn it. And you can do it. There's there's a thousand. If if my son can learn to play guitar off of YouTube without ever having to take a lesson, you can learn that department or that skill yourself. And in some cases, you can raise your hand and ask the organization to help you learn that skill. That's great advice. I definitely believe you've you've practiced that in your career. And even in the time I've been reporting to you, you're constantly... Um, learning, asking questions, and, you know, gathering input inside and outside the organization. So Avalon Bay's purpose is to create a better way to live. We talk about culture and, you know, the organizational objectives. What drives you? Well, first off, I am still learning about myself. So if, so if anyone says to you, what do you want to be when you grow up? It doesn't change 30 years later. I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> I, but what I what I know are the skills and concepts that jazz me. The things that wake me up. You, you know you're jazzed when your workday, let's say, starts at 8 or 9, but you're at your computer at 4 a.m. Not because, oh, I've got so much work that I, I couldn't possibly do it unless I lose sleep. And no one's told you to wake up at 4 a.m., but I can't sleep anyway. So I might as well get up and do this thing because I'm dreaming about it anyway, right? That's the, that's the sad truth is that when something jazzes you, whether it's in your personal life or it's your work life, you dream about it. You think about it. You tell your spouse about it. Sometimes you mumble, 
right? You put lists around the house of things that you need to do. You know, it's like grocery list on the left side of the kitchen and your work list on your right-hand side, just so that you can get it down on paper. And what drives me is creativity. It is the vision, right? What drives me is the idea and then realizing the idea. And sometimes that idea can be realized. It takes money, right? It takes tens of millions of dollars and it takes a thousand employees to change what they're doing. But sometimes it doesn't. It just takes hard work and, and everyone rowing the boat in the same direction and a good list of partners, right? Usually third-party partners and outsourced and consultants, but then you do it, right? And so uh, Amazon, I am told, has a premise or, or, or process that when they're starting something completely new, they write the press announcement first. And that's their way of saying like, this is what good looks like because you've written the press announcement about how big it is and what it's doing. And it's understandable to a wide audience that wasn't involved in the project. And I've stolen that. I think it's Amazon, but I've stolen it anyway, which is that once I've been really chewing on something for a bit, I write the press announcement and it's in paper and it's, 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 it's there. And then from that point forward, I know what my vision is and I just need, I need the organization to see the vision, to get behind it, to make it happen. Um, and that is actually, uh, that is what drives me. Well, that makes sense because you are great at setting the vision and somehow we're all racing to jump in the boat. It's like you're a magnet for pulling us in to, um, you know, go and collaborate. And you do have a great track record of actually realizing your ideas. Thank you. So, so sadly, though, you are retiring from Avalon Just Bay. Technically, technically retiring. <laughs> technically. Point. I like to make you um, feel old, but to that <laughs> point, you are not. You are really, really young and you're full of energy. What's next for you? So I am going to take this opportunity <clears throat> to just change it up. I'm going to change careers. I'm going to learn a new field, say within real estate. I, I, I've, I've grown enough within the real estate industry to keep that base of knowledge. Who knows? Let's say it that way. Who knows? Talk to me in five years and I can tell you what I've done five years from now. But but I guess looking back to some of the things I've I've said on this podcast, you have to do it. You Whenever you find yourself comfortable, that's the, unless there's something else going on in your life, right? Comfort is perfectly fine when you have toddlers. Let's say it that way. If you have little ones, you know, you're just making, you're, you're just trying to get, you know, six hours of sleep kind of matched together in one night. You don't need uh, to change everything on a Tuesday, you know, for that, uh, that, that jolt of uh, career adrenaline. But but if you don't have something else in your life that is already kind of busy um, and uncertain and you find yourself comfortable in your career, that's the symbol or the, the reason to raise your hand either internally and say, I'm ready for a challenge or to try something new elsewhere. So, so I am, I'm going to, I'm going to jazz it up a bit. 
Well, I think you recapped a lot of what you've shown and and taught all of us over the years. Um, before we wrap things up, let's have some fun. Okay. Um, we'll do a little lightning round to learn more about you. One, the first question, what job would you enjoy if you didn't have to worry about money? So if I had won the lottery 30 years ago, and did not have to pay for a mortgage and everything that goes on with life, I would have stayed a bartender for as long as my physical body could have sustained me. For those who work in the restaurant industry, especially the really fun restaurants and the fun bars where you're, all of your best friends work at the same place and you go out for breakfast and watch the sunrise, that is a very enticing life. And, uh, and customers can be fun. So I enjoyed that through college. And I don't think I could do it now. I don't think I have the stamina for uh, 10 hours on my feet and uh, four hours of uh, sunrise watching. But boy, it was fun while it lasted. Next question. Best country you've ever worked in or visited? Oh, that's a hard one. Uh, So prior to Avalon Bay, when I was doing international consulting, I used to country hop, which really just means that if you're already in Europe, you might as well pick up an assignment somewhere else in Europe. And if you're already in Asia, you might as well stay in Asia uh, or continent hop, I should say. Um, so I, I visited um, most, most of the world other than Africa and South America. And I love Japan. I worked in Japan. I taught English in Japan. I speak Japanese poorly, but I do speak it enough to not need a translator and I, I just think it's uh, it's a great country. Next question. What is the best Avalon Bay project you've worked on? I would have to say Conso Twinbrook. So I had the opportunity to help create a new brand, Conso, which is funny enough, the Japanese word for simplicity. So it sort of uh, ties in with the last question and to work on the asset team to create the first um, ground up asset uh, without leasing staff. So it's entirely uh, digital or through the shared service center. Uh, if, if, uh, if they, you know, person to person assistance is needed, but it's almost 99% automated and uh, it's been highly successful. And I really enjoyed the ability to work with almost every group in the company. Yeah, that project really exemplifies things coming full circle, touching on asset management, construction mm-hmm. development, you know, strategy, your love for Japan. That's funny. <laughs> More importantly, what is your favorite type of wine? That is important. That is important um, most nights. Um, I, I have to say, and this is going to cause shivers down the spine of most um, most of my, my friends uh, who actually drink wine with some, I don't know, some education. My favorite wine is rosé, typically a screw top bottle. And, you know, I figure anything that tastes like strawberries is, is, is right up my alley. It's, it's all good. Oh, come on. You were a bartender. I was expecting more from you. (laughs) (laughs) Now the last question, would you rather speak at a conference or in front of the board? Okay. Well, I like both. I like 
I like speaking, you know, that's a, that's a, a political answer, right? <laughs> there's two, there's two answers. I'm going to say I like them both, but I, I, I like speaking in front of the board because it is a quarterly opportunity to show just how much progress uh, we are making as an organization. And we have such a good story to tell. But I guess I would give the preference to some of the large conferences, you know, especially some of the 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 speaking arrangements that have been two, three thousand or more people in the audience, because I think not only is it fun, but I think that I I enjoy sharing 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 that information. You know, as long as it's uh, not under NDA or anything like that, I I I enjoy the the training in a sense aspect of it, and so someday. Maybe I will um, either pick that up as a as a side gig, right? Everyone needs a side gig, or um, go into the university speaking arena. Well, you've definitely created quite the following in the industry, and obviously here at Avalon Bay. To wrap things up, it's really obvious, Karen, that you've been a transformational leader here. You've brought so much authenticity and creativity. You've taught me and so many others so much. You've been a wonderful mentor. You not only know how to get things done, but somehow you boost morale and engagement along the way. And we just wanted to thank you for everything and wish you best of luck on your next adventure. Thank you, Jennifer. You will do great. And I can't wait to see what you do in the next few years. We will stay in touch. Sounds good. Thank you. Have a great day, everyone. Bye. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on episode 13 of the Speak Up by Avalon Bay podcast. Stay tuned for our next episode, which will be part three of our Lessons in Leadership series. All statements expressed on this podcast are those of the participants only and not of Avalon Bay communities. Avalon Bay and the Women's Leadership Network reserve all rights to this podcast and its contents. This podcast is copyrighted and may not be reused or rebroadcast without permission.